الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الذين ينفقون في السراء والضراء والكاذمين الغيظ والعافين عن الناس والله والله يحب المحسنين صدق الله العلي العظيم my dear respected, most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. First of all, we begin as usual by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. And we pray that Allah azza wa jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future inshallah before we begin i'd like to humbly request some of our brothers who are scattered towards the sides and the back and the middle if you could kindly stand up and move forward allah bless you don't be afraid of coming into the front saf the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam encouraged his companions to come in the foremost saf The reward is such that, you know, we cannot even ascertain it. The Prophet ﷺ and his companions, his companions will say, the Prophet ﷺ told his companions that if you knew of the rewards of sitting in the form of Saf, you would fight with one another to achieve that reward. Now, I don't want you to fight. I just want you to come forward as much as you can. Nowadays, you know, it's different for us. We want others to move forward while we stay back ourselves. Uh, this is not the nature of the Prophet ﷺ and his honorable companions. Um, today, the topic that I'm going to talk about and something that I, I feel that needs to be discussed is something that we've been witnessing uh, in, in, in the public over the last few weeks, um, something that each and every one of us as a human being is guilty of, each and every one of us. None of us are per perfect. None of us are immune from committing sin. None of us are those perfect human beings who never get angry never have a problem with someone, never uh, abuse someone, never uh, say a, an unkind word to someone. We're all imperfect beings. Naturally, we get angry when the situation presents itself. We get angry. Sometimes we are able to control our anger. Other times our anger gets the better of us. And this is something that I wanted to talk about because if you look at um, the the crimes for which when i've spoken about it in the past we've had uh, i've spoken about the um, the number of muslims in, uh, in 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 prisons and i've spoken to some of those muslims who are in the prison system and what i found is that the vast majority of them they've curtailed their personality somewhat in prison so they say you know i was an angry man I was always angry. I'm trying to control my anger. Sometimes my anger got the better of me. And when it did, you know, I, I committed atrocious acts. And that landed me in the place that I'm in today. And it's imperative that we teach our young people how to control their anger. And there is no better way of teaching them than presenting them with the sunnah of the Prophet No better way. Because the Prophet was an individual who went through far more than what we have gone through or what we have been through. The Prophet ﷺ lived in a society, a non-Muslim society, where in his non-Muslim society that he lived in, 
him and his companions, his small number of followers, were being tortured. They were being abused, vilified at every given opportunity. That's not happening with us, alhamdulillah, where we are today. But there are certain places in the world where it is happening. And how can we learn from the sunnah of the Prophet Well, what we can see is that the Prophet never retaliated or sought revenge for, for those actions that were inflicted or the, that vile, venomous behavior that was inflicted upon him. The Prophet you know, it's like saying never raised a hand in anger. The Prophet never raised a hand in anger. He never uh, struck somebody. He never thought about and wasted time by just thinking and plotting revenge against somebody else for their actions. No. The Prophet was quick to forgive. And inshallah, we're going to get to forgiveness um, towards the end of, of today's talk. Uh, a man came to the Prophet and he asked him, and this is extremely important because uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he would advise each and every companion in accordance with their own personality. So if he found someone who came to him who never prayed regularly in terms of his night prayer, like Sayyidina Abdullah, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar and he would pray his regular five daily prayers, that was his fault. But at, during the nights, he would go to sleep and he wouldn't pray his night prayers, which were the super irrigatory nawafil prayers. And the Prophet would, would want to encourage his companions to do as much worship as they possibly could. And he would say to the likes of Abdullah, he said, what a, what a beautiful man, what an amazing individual Abdullah is, if only he would pray at night. And he would slip in these small encouraging words for each of them, curtailed to their personality. So he would, he would look at what's affecting them or what's afflicting them and then advise them in accordance with their affliction. A man came to the Prophet And you can imagine from the Prophet's response what was afflicting this individual. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Awsini. He said, Awsini, Ya Rasulullah, advise me, O Messenger of Allah. Give me some advice, anything that I can hold on to, something that can change me, something that can bring about a change in my personality and in my behavior. And the Prophet said, La tafdab. Don't get angry. Simple. And he repeated that again and again a num on a number of occasions. He said, don't get angry. Don't get angry. And that was advice to an individual who you can tell that the Prophet ﷺ was advising him because perhaps he was an individual who would get angry sometimes and his anger would get the better of him. So that's the best advice that the Prophet ﷺ could give that person. Don't get angry. On other occasions, the Prophet ﷺ said to a man, uh, not, not only to one individual, he said to his companions that if you find yourself getting angry at a certain situation or at an individual, then sit down. Then sit down. And if you're still angry while you're sitting down, then lie down on your back. And I was looking into the, um, the social and medical benefits of controlling your anger and the social benefits are of course a reducing criminal behavior but in terms of the medical benefits when an individual is angry naturally the adrenaline starts to flow and the blood starts to, to flow throughout the body and an individual is unable to control themselves so when you get to that level where you're getting so angry what tends to happen is you can't sit still when a person gets angry they need to 
Find an outlet for their anger, something to get that anger out. That's why you see find people punching something or just something to get that energy out of them. And the Prophet ﷺ gave the perfect advice for that. He said, if you find yourself getting to that point where you need to find an outlet for your anger, sit down. Because when you sit down, the blood flows profusely throughout your body. It doesn't flow straight up into your head. You calm down, you cool down. If you're still unable and you're so angry that sitting down doesn't help, then lie down. Because it's the, flood, the blood doesn't rush to, to your head. And that's, why, that's where the statement comes from, a rush of blood. The blood doesn't rush into your head. You lie down and it flows throughout the rest of your body. The advice of the Prophet ﷺ was perfect for those situations. Now, you may ask, what's the reason why we're talking about this specific um, behavior of, of being angry? And I mentioned it to you already at the start, that when I spoke with, with, with Muslims or some Muslims in prison, the, out of them, say there's 10 of them, 8 or 9 of them were there because they got angry for some reason or the other. And they complained about being angry all the time and the need to control their anger. So there's a rise in criminality among the Muslim community. And naturally when you look at our Muslim community now, you find uh, children, young children who are in schools. Schools are far worse off than, than they were 20 years ago. See, 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have the same students that we have today. Unfortunately, you'll find in schools, and we've got some of our young brothers here, uh, we find children getting angry at their teachers and having to, you know, uh, to, to convey their emotions and their feelings in inappropriate ways. Um, we find in our own families, we have a rise in, in levels of ADHD among, uh, among children, you know, attention deficit orders among, among children. We find children having uh, anger management classes or taking anger management classes because they're getting angry too much. And that doesn't bode well for their future because if they're angry at a young age, then naturally what tends to happen is that anger continues to, to, um, to foster. It continues to foster in their bodies. And when they get older, they have to, they find outlets for their anger and, 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 on, and on most occasions that outlet is, an, is a criminal outlet or is in, an illegal outlet and certainly one contrary to the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the, the, the aggressive behaviors and the aggressive attitudes they don't lead to productivity at all when a person is angry and a person is being aggressive nothing productive is going to come from that is there nothing, nothing good is going to come out of an individual being angry. Nothing. There's always going to be something wrong. Because it's, it's like a fire. You see a fire, when, uh, when, a, when a fire burns, and there's a forest fire for, for an example, and it burns, it continues burning, and it's difficult to control that fire. You can't control fire with more fire. You can't say, well, I'm going to use fire to combat fire. You can't use aggression to combat aggression. When you see another individual getting angry, then the best thing for you to do is to walk away from that situation. And we're all guilty of this. Each and every one of us, we could, we could be at places of work and we find something that doesn't go our way in our place of work and we tend to get angry. We get angry at another work colleague or we get angry at our boss or we get angry at somebody else. We get angry at, at a customer. We need to find ways of trying to control 
that aggressive, uh, that aggression or that aggressive mentality. Or if we're in school and we find ourselves getting angry at a teacher or getting angry at a fellow student, and rather than get ourselves into trouble, we need to find ways in which to control ourselves. The Prophet ﷺ told us, and he was clear in this, that the strongest individual among you is not the one who can wrestle the other to the ground. What a, what a pertinent example from the Prophet ﷺ. And the strongest person among you, don't think that the strong one, is basically me saying to you, don't think the strong one is the one who has the most macho-ness, the most bravado. You know, the one who goes to the gym, the one who can fight. He's not the strongest individual. The Prophet said, the strongest the person, the strongest individual among you is the one who can control his anger when he gets angry. Who can control his emotions when he gets angry. That's the, the strongest person. Just look at the example of, uh, of a few weeks ago. We had the, and, and, and I know there's our young brothers here. I'm not encouraging you individuals to go and watch MMA, mixed martial arts fighting. But you know, uh, these young people know better than, uh, perhaps better than, than some of the elders. In the mixed martial arts world, uh, where they're constantly fighting and it's a, it's a form of sport, like boxing. And in mixed martial arts, there's a fighter, his name is Khabib. The Russian uh, Dagestani fighter Khabib, his name is Nur Muhammadov. Uh, not Nur no Magomedov, it's Nur Muhammadov. Magomed in Russian is, uh, is Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa the name for the Prophet. And you saw the fight between these young brothers. Come on, put your hands up if you saw the fight between, or you saw the, the highlights of the fight between Khabib and uh, the Irish fighter Conor McGregor. Most of you did. And you saw the aftermath of that fight. You saw the build up to that fight, which wasn't encouraging. You saw an individual who was, uh, who, who was trying to incite violence in somebody else, who was poking at somebody else, poking at his religion, poking at his uh, family, you know, trying to incite a reaction from somebody else. And, and subhanAllah, I was very impressed with the way this, this Muslim man controlled his anger and he didn't react in any way. And I saw that and I was, I was pleasantly surprised because naturally, being an individual who was a fighter his whole life, you can think that this is, you know, this, this is not going to result in some, something good. This is not going to turn out well. But yet he managed to curtail his desires, he controlled his, his anger, he controlled his emotions. Uh, and then after uh, he, he won the fight, he was unable to control his anger. Now, you know, this is a natural human instinct and emotion that we find it difficult to control our anger. And, and his reaction at the time wasn't the right reaction. His reaction at the time by jumping over the fence wasn't the correct way to go about things, right? And, and this is something that, the reason why I mention this is because millions of people viewed that fight all over the world, millions. And some may, may watch it and think, well, that's an acceptable action or that's an acceptable response to how that individual was feeling. But let's look at the example of the Prophet ﷺ. Wasn't the Prophet ﷺ and his mission, his message ridiculed? Weren't the companions and their religion, weren't they ridiculed? Were they laughed at? Not only were they laughed at, they were uh, 
they were pelted with stones. The Prophet ﷺ was pelted with stones. The Prophet ﷺ's companions were, were tortured and they were persecuted. How did they respond? Did they respond in, in, with anger and, and aggression? Because if they did respond, just think of this. If the Prophet ﷺ and his companions, they responded with anger. They fought aggression with aggression, as in they fought fire with fire. Was anything positive going to come out of that situation? Do you think if, if, you, if you're angry and you come to me and you're aggressive towards me and I turn around and I fight your aggression with further aggression and I get angry back at you, do you think it's going to calm the situation down? No, it's going to result, it's going to, get, it's going to keep getting worse. Whereas if you came to me and you were angry and you wanted to have an argument or even have a fight, whether that be verbal or physical. And if I just remained quiet, I didn't say anything to encourage uh, this, this behavior. or I didn't say anything to induce a reaction from you. And I just walked away. What's going to happen? The situation is going to calm down. That individual is going to automatically calm down. Because there's nothing now that he can say to me to rile me up. There's nothing that's going to result in something uh, where, where there's going to be a verbal or physical altercation. And this is something that we need to understand ourselves. I'm ha I have to deal with... Uh, Alhamdulillah, I have, I have led many marriage services. And that's a beautiful thing to people enjoined in, in Rahmah, enjoined in, in, in Mawadda, as the Quran says, enjoined in, in compassion and in mercy. But unfortunately, on the other hand, I've had to deal with a lot of divorce issues as well, of people getting divorced. And now, in almost every case, and Imam Sahib will testify to this, and others who have been through, or mediators in, in, in matters of divorce can testify to this. In almost every single issue of divorce, when people realize that I've uttered those phrases, and you know, afterwards, I re they, they begin to feel regret and they begin to feel remorse and they think to themselves, well, I didn't think of the ramifications. I didn't think of the repercussions when I said this because that means now I can't go back to my wife and we're, we're divorced. You know, I shouldn't have said that. In almost every single case, I can't even remember a case that has been brought to me where an individual didn't say this. The individual always says that I said this when I was angry, in a fit of anger, and it was wrong of me, I shouldn't have said it, but I was angry. And you see, because of that individual's or that man's anger, it's resulted in him divorcing from his wife and, uh, you know, unable to care for his children as well. In some cases, it leads to families separating and going through the le legal system and the children being left without one parent. And it's a terrible situation, it's a terrible environment for the children to be brought up in. And how did that come about? Just because you were unable to control your anger? You see, nobody, and I always say to the individual when they say, I, but I was angry, as if anger is, you know, is, is a good enough reason to say, to divorce your wife. And I say, well, nobody divorces their wife when, you know, things are going well. Nobody in a, in a happy moment divorces their wife. Everyone goes into that situation when they're angry, you know. It's, it's natural that that's going to happen. 
But we have to find, see, it wouldn't lead, it wouldn't go to that, that, that stage, it wouldn't get to that stage if we were able to control our feelings and our emotions. If we just, just act upon the advice of the Prophet My young brothers here, who are here today, and, and, and watching violence and being encouraged by violence around them, you know, when the next time you get angry, just, just try that for one moment. Just, just try to sit down. The, give, take the advice of the Prophet wasallam. Sit down. If, you, if you're still angry and you find yourself, you know, trying to find an outlet for your anger while you're sitting down, then lie down and see if that doesn't help you. Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala and the companion of the Prophet wasallam, is a hadith. Uh, in fact, in the hadith where the Prophet wasallam said, that if you're angry, then, then sit, sit down, and if, if you're still angry, then lie down. In the commentary of that in, by uh, Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani in Fath al-Bari, he mentions um, uh, an incident which took place with Sayyidina Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu ta'ala. And, and Sayyidina Abu Dhar, uh, some of the companions, they came across him and he was lying down. And he was lying down, it was the heat of the midday sun, and it was boiling. And he wasn't lying down underneath the shade, he was lying underneath the sun. With, with no pillow, nothing. He was just lying down. And the companions felt perhaps there's something wrong with him. Say, oh, Budar, why are you lying down? What's wrong? And, and he explained the situation that he got angry with somebody. And he sat down and he was still angry. So he began, he lied down. And when he got up again, he was smiling. He smiled and he explained to the companions of the Prophet that what, a, what beautiful advice the Prophet gave. Because it was able to control, he was able to control his anger. And he didn't lash out. In anger, and this is something that we need to um, uh, we need to understand. We need to understand that uh, that anger is not a power is not a matter of of power or or ability. The Prophet sallallahu was pretty clear when he stated that the, the strongest person is not the one who can wrestle the other to the ground. The strongest person is the one who is able to control himself, control his emotions when he's angry. The Prophet sallallahu also said that if any of you become angry, then let him keep silent. Let him stay quiet. Don't say anything because when you say something out of anger, nine times out of ten is not going to be something that's going to be encouraging. It's going to be aggressive and it's only going to incite more responses. You see, if you come and, uh, and I gave the example, if you come and swear at me and I swear back at you, is that going to make you stop swearing? No. We're just going to be going to and forth. It's going to continue until... You know, we, go, we, we, we take it to the next step and we have a physical altercation. It's not going to stop. Whereas if you came and you swore at me and I didn't say anything and I walked away, what are you going to say? Are you going to keep swearing at me? Are you going to keep trying to hit me? No, that's not going to happen. So let's find these outlets. Let's find the right outlets for our anger. Especially with, with, with young people. I'm hearing uh, of stories and I, uh, dealing with, 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 young, with parents who are saying that we have young children who, who have anger management problems, who have anger problems. And some, sometimes, you know, they, they try to lash out towards us, the parents. And I say to them, well, we have to create an environment that is conducive to productivity. We have to create an environment around those children where they're not encouraged by violence all the time. We have to create an environment around them that is peaceful in nature. Because the only way to counter aggression and violence is through peace. That's the only way to do it. And that's the only way that it's going to work. The Prophet 
uh, always uh, there's a hadith of the Prophet والسلام, it's narrated about the Prophet that he, he وسلم, he never took revenge or was aggressive towards anybody for his own sake he only uh, uh, took he only if, but if the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were violated he would take revenge for the sake of Allah as in on the battlefield the Prophet وسلم, that's the only time he raised his hand and he raised his sword the Prophet وسلم, never, when an individual was aggressive towards him, never raised his hand against them. The Prophet وسلم, never allowed him himself to be in that situation where he's going to seek revenge for somebody else, even when he had the position, when he had the opportunity to do so. At the conquest of Mecca, when the companions of the Prophet and they converged upon uh, on, on, on Mecca, and there's ten thousand of them, and they surround Mecca from all sides. <coughs> And the Prophet ﷺ encourages a peaceful entry by saying that whoever stays in the vicinity of the Haram, he's safe. Whoever stays within their own house, he's safe. Whoever seeks refuge in the house of Abu Sufyan, he's safe. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ gave them safe havens and said, stay in. Don't encourage any violence against somebody else. No violence is going to be encouraged against you. And there's going to be, we're going to have a peaceful resolution to this conflict. And they did so. And there was a companion of the Prophet who in his verve and in his sort of uh, being a companion who had, who had been thrown out by these individuals, whose property and whose wealth has been usurped by them, who was tortured by these individuals, whose family members were killed by these individuals. When he came back, he couldn't help himself but say, that today, today is a day of bloodshed. Today is a day of revenge. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was informed of what this individual was saying. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stopped him and says, No. That today is a day of peace. Not the day of bloodshed, not the day of violence. Today is a day that we're going to show who we are. And nothing, you see, prior to that, the Prophet ﷺ has stayed 13 years preaching in Mecca from the age of 40 until he was 53. He had a handful of followers. Those followers were persecuted, they were tortured, eventually they were told to leave. Or they weren't told to leave, they had to leave. And they left and they went to Medina, some of them left and they went to Abyssinia and sought refuge there. Then for eight years, in, in, in Medina, the Prophet ﷺ established a state. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ spread his message and, and people accepted. Nevertheless, the, the mushrikeen in Mecca were still attacking the Muslims in Medina and the Prophet ﷺ fought many defensive wars against them, having to protect his uh, family and his followers. In the eighth year of Hijrah, when the, when, when the conquest of Mecca took place, during that time, in those eight years when the Prophet ﷺ has, had established his state in, in, uh, in Medina, not many of the mushrikeen in Mecca decided, well, actually, you know, the Prophet ﷺ is speaking the truth. Not many of them turned towards Islam and accepted the message. However, after the conquest of Mecca, when, uh, when one, of the one, of, one of those elders came to the Prophet وسلم, and he said to the Prophet وسلم, uh, uh, oh, 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 oh Messenger of Allah, 
uh, when the Prophet in fact said to them, that, what do you expect from me today? And, and this elderly gentleman, he said, you're our noble brother, our kind noble brother, who is the son of a noble brother, and all we expect from you is kindness. And what did the Prophet say to them? He said, Ithabu that go for you all free. There's going to be no revenge upon you today. Instantaneously, Mecca is transformed. Thousands and thousands of the residents of Mecca accept Islam. Why did they accept Islam so quickly when for the last 20 years, 21 years of preaching, they, they had never accepted the message? Because they found, they, they found something that they were inspired by. They, they found themselves in a position where rightfully so, the Prophet and his companions could take revenge upon them for the actions they inflicted upon, upon them. But yet they, they chose not to. They chose to forgive them. And that's such an amazing example of forgive, forgiveness that you know, it's something that we can be inspired by. If we're angry or, or we have people in our lives that, that, that we're angry with, today's the day. Think of yourself as, uh, as, as uh, followers of the Prophet and, and representatives of the Prophet Forgive those individuals. And don't, I hate this phrase of, I, forgive, I, I can forgive but I can't forget. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Forgiveness has to be complete. Imagine if that's what the Prophet said to, his, to those residents of Mecca. I can, I'll forgive you all, you're all forgiven, but we're never ever going to forget what you did to us. Would that have made an effect? Would that have had an effect on them? Would they have said, okay, well, we're going to accept your message, we're going to live together as brothers? That wasn't going to happen. Forgiveness has to be complete. So if you have people in your lives who have angered you in any way, or you're angry with them for some reason or the other, this is an opportunity to, to, to forgive them. And forgive them for the sake of Allah. Because when you show kindness to your brother, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show kindness to you. If you're in the support of somebody else and the assistance of somebody else, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in your assistance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran and the noble sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.